0: Hi, WorkWell listeners. I'm really excited to share that my book, Work Better Together, is officially out. Conversations with WorkWell guests and feedback from listeners like you inspired this book. It's all about how to create a more human-centered workplace. And as we return to the office for many of us, this book can help you move forward into post-pandemic life with strategies and tools to strengthen your relationships and focus on your well-being. It's available now from your favorite book retailer. When we're hurt by others, we have the choice to forgive or hold on to a grudge. We often think of forgiveness as a gift we give someone who has done us wrong, but forgiveness is just as impactful to the giver. The act of forgiving is good for your health. It can lower blood pressure, improve mental health, reduce stress, and even help you sleep better. When you've been hurt, it can be hard to let go, but with the right tools, it's possible to learn to forgive and move on from pain. This is the Work Well podcast series live from the World Happiness Summit in Miami, Florida. Hi, I'm Jen Fisher, Chief Wellbeing Officer for Deloitte, and I'm so pleased to be here with you today to talk about all things wellbeing. I'm here with Dr. Fred Luskin. He's one of the world's leading researchers and teachers on the subject of forgiveness and the author of the best-selling books, Forgive for Good and Forgive for Love. He's the director of the Stanford Forgiveness Projects, an ongoing series of workshops and research projects that investigate the effectiveness of his forgiveness methods on a variety of populations. He has helped people who have suffered from violence in Northern Ireland and Sierra Leone, as well as the attacks on the World Trade Center on 9-11. He's also a senior consultant on health promotion at Stanford University and a professor at the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology. Fred, welcome to the show. Thank you. (laughs) So tell us about yourself and tell us how you became passionate about forgiveness and wanting to research and teach people about forgiveness.
1: My name is Fred. (laughs) I work at Stanford. I direct their forgiveness project. I have children, you know, I feel like a decent person. Um, Forgiveness emerged for me because of how miserable I was when I was badly hurt, Mm. And it emerged for me because I completely couldn't do it, and I suffered a long time, very deeply. And that deep suffering, um, combined with a strong need to get out of my doctoral program, um, made me take the wounding that I had had and some of its resolution and try to turn that into a research project to help other people. So that that would be the nub of
0: it. Okay, so can you tell us what forgiveness is and what what do people misunderstand about forgiveness because it's not as you, you and I were just saying, it's not something we talk about often. So what does it mean to forgive? And it's a, it's a
1: it's a big challenge to the ego. And it's a big challenge to our hoped for sense that we're the center of the universe. Mm that since our consciousness is so located with us being central and hugely important and special, things happen to us regularly. And things happen to us that we don't want, that we can't control, and that hurt. And it's very hard for people to enter into the vulnerable state where they can Uh, Accept that and deal with it. So forgiveness is that process of moving from reactivity, pushing it away, negativity, dislike, to come inside where you're capable of acceptance and kindness and goodwill, primarily towards your own life, secondarily towards whomever it is might or whatever it is might have hurt you.
0: And so we all hear have heard that. Forgiveness is primarily good for us. I mean, yeah. that the other person that you're forgiving they could be
1: dead, so it's right. probably not that important. <laughs> exactly, to them whether you forgive right? Just yet.
0: <laughs> or they may never know that you forgave them, right? Often, yeah. yeah, often. So, why is forgiveness important for us?
1: Well, I mean, there's a couple. The easiest answer is that you're at more peace. The other answer, which is a little deeper, that than that is that you're capable of appreciating the life you have. Mm. So unforgiveness is an argument with our own life. Like, no, my partner didn't treat me right. No, you know, I didn't get the job I deserve. No, I got sick. Whatever it is, it's an argument with how our life unfolded. Forgiveness allows us to stop arguing with our life. Mm. So, in that perspective, like let's, let's just say I walked in here with a sense that you know, people who interview me aren't fair or they, they're not responsive. So, I'm going to walk in here with baggage and so I'm going to bring that to this interpretation and very often that causes me to one, feel aggravated that I have to do it again, but two, maybe pretty quickly jump into some kind of reaction to something you said because I carry this baggage with me. If I don't have that baggage, I just sit down and I'm ready to talk to you. So I'm at peace. Then, depending on where you go, which is a metaphor depending on where life goes, I just go there. And if you ask a question that's not the right question, I might answer a different question. But I'm not. I'm not stopped up in resentment towards something from my past that wasn't right. So I'm not contaminating my present.
0: And is forgiveness? Do we forgive ourselves or do we just forgive others?
1: You can forgive anybody you want. You can forgive a bottle if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> it's entirely up to you. Let's say the bottle leaked, or blew up. I mean, you might want to. You know. Take that bottle and forgive it. We forgive anything that we resent in the past for not being exactly what we wanted it to be. And so that agita, that causes higher blood pressure, causes muscle tension, causes immune dysregulation, heightens the perception of pain. It does all that when you release it you give your body a chance to heal, and you get your mind again the opportunity to actually be in your present life.
0: And so how do we know, I mean, (laughs) other than kind of the obvious, right, somebody does something that hurts us or injures us, how do we know that we need to forgive? Other than- Have you
1: ever tried meditating?
0: I have, yes. (laughs) Okay,
1: have you ever noticed when you're meditating, like how annoyed and angry you are when you first start looking at your mind? hmm Okay. That's one of the ways you know is when you quiet down a little bit, you see all these resentments and tightenings bubbling up. That, that's the internal metric. The external metric is watch your speech. Mm. So if, if somebody asks you like, and I'm just making this up, what do you think of your ex? and and you give a 30 second digression then you then it's clear that you haven't forgiven but if your digression isn't that harsh but um well i don't know we don't talk much but you can feel the edge speech body posture internal dialogue those are all indicators that you're still holding on to stuff
0: and is is forgiveness is it a is it something we can, like, is it a practice that we do, that yeah. we should cultivate and do daily? Is it.
1: But tell me it, what that looks like.
0: Isn't everything a practice? I think so, yeah. yeah. But.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, what you practice becomes easier to do the next time and becomes embedded in your nervous system so that it becomes normal. So if. Let's say we all have some practice of bitterness about something. Mm -hmm. So the more we practice that, the easier it is for the brain to retrieve, and the more quickly that becomes the default, and the less we notice it. Bringing it to consciousness, or the kind of mindfulness of it, that's a practice. You know, what am I feeling? What am I saying? What am I doing? What kind of story am I telling about my own life? That would probably be the, the single metric of forgiveness. If you wanted one test of yourself, find something that not that long ago you resented, and watch how long it takes for your neck to tighten up as you start <laughs> to talk about it, because you'll see how quickly you become adrenalized when you forgive, It's like you're just talking about something. Oh, okay. Two years ago, they didn't do what I wanted. It's not like it disappears, but it's no longer stored in an energetic that keeps it as a danger.
0: Hmm. So I'm processing all of this as you're talking about it. Um, I mean, in some people's lives, you know, there's big things, like huge things that happen that kind of, are seemingly unforgivable. Right. As opposed to I don't like my ex. <laughs> yeah, I <end> am. <laughs> like yeah, you know, right. Cold. You know, I mean I'm not trying to say that some you know, I'm not I'm not trying to diminish some problems over others, but there are things that happen in life yeah. just seem unforgivable. How like how do we wrap our heads I around mean everything
1: them? is forgivable by somebody. Just like everything is unforgivable by somebody. Mm-hmm so it doesn't exist in the event it's in the interpretation and the processing of the event now clearly if you take a hundred people whose children were killed in a war you're going to have a good number of them angry and victim feeling for quite a while yet if you take a hundred people with hot water you'll probably find fewer of them but there'll be somebody who just won't let that go and there'll be somebody even in the worst of circumstances that not only is at peace but is trying to teach other people how to be at peace. That That's just the human um, experience is that there's no one response. The, one of the differentiators between like deep insults and wounds and more trivial is that the deeper ones take more time. And so one as a a grieved person would have to give oneself time to suffer to be able to forgive. So, if something really painful happens to me, I need to know that maybe for months on end my life is going to be really painful. So, that's a permission, that's a kind of emotional intelligence permission. Many people don't grant themselves that permission so they don't they don't recognize that loss and change require time of suffering if you allow that process to proceed then you come to a point where the kind of negative reactivity doesn't feel so good anymore like there comes to a point where everybody says at some point, they may not heed it, but I'm really tired of being pissed off. I'm really tired of keeping the covers over my head, not coming out for air. It's been two years since they left, that kind of thing. That's the crucial moment. That, that's the moment that culturally we need to teach people that to not stay perseverative on anger or self-pity, but to recognize there's a point where we don't need that information anymore. That happens in all insults. Some may take longer, some may require more support, but having worked with people who have had immediate family members to murder, I've worked with people who had family members killed at 9-11, I've worked with people in Sierra Leone, I mean, I, I just, you know, all over the world, I've worked with people and you know, who have suffered the awfulest things, and yet there's a moment where you meet them, and and you just look at them and, and you, you kind of know that given the right nudge, they can choose that tomorrow morning when the sun comes up, they want to see it come up. They don't want to be stuck in not seeing it come up because of the pain. Everybody can get there. That's the human grief cycle. Mm-hmm. It takes longer. It may require more support for a devastating wound, but we will get there. People get over the death of their spouses. People get over the death of their children. These are huge life challenges, but they're not unforgivable, at least according to me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So how do you... In that moment, when you no longer want to hold on to that anger and pain, how do you... That's I mean, you've partly
1: de- what we do.
0: Yeah, so you've developed a process yeah. for forgiveness. Can you talk us through that?
1: Let me, let me ask you to just take a couple of slow, deep breaths into and out of your belly. Like Just a very beginning of meditation. Okay? And I won't do this for long. I know it's dead air. (laughs) But let me just ask you to, when you inhale, have your abdomen expand. The normal belly breathing. Not your chest, but your abdomen. And then just bring an image to your mind. This is a very quick truncated of someone you love. Just bring an image to mind of someone you love. Okay, while you're breathing. And just notice that that kind of, that can cool you down, maybe touch your heart for a moment. Okay. So we might tell people to start there. Right there, right now. Like, you're in touch with something that isn't aggrieved. Mm-hmm. Now, do you want to stay there? Or do you want to go back to your grief? It's always practice and choice. It's just... There is always an alternative response inside of us. Now, if somebody happened to your kid two weeks ago, that space is too small to touch. But if it happened two years ago, it's not too small to touch. But that that was a moment of it. I'll tell you another moment we did on Stanford's campus where we brought people, mothers from Northern Ireland who had their children murdered. And we brought them to one of the big windows of one of the buildings. And we had them face the sun. Everybody, like, put their arms up like this. This is California hippie stuff, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we put our arms up. We had the sun hit. And we said, feel the warmth. And just recognize that the same earth that birthed your son and killed your son is putting sunshine on you now. You pay, you pay attention to which of those you want the sun feels good once you make that commitment to rejoin the world so to speak then you look for more situations where you relax and you open and you no longer define yourself quite as much by what happened in the past
0: so what about I mean we talked about um, you know forgiveness is for yourself
1: some, some, yes. Most of the time, yes. Most of the time, and that
0: some sometimes people may not even know or be around, right? But what about those that do know that they've been forgiven? How does that impact them? Like, what does that look like? How does that show up?
1: You got to be really careful. Like, let's say you know you have a married couple and one of them cheated on the other, and um, the person admits the infidelity. And then the person's going, uh-oh, <laughs> can I get over this? Do I forgive them? And then after a while, if they make peace with it, um, it's very therapeutic to come to the other partner and say, you know, I hated you for a while. I, I hated all of this, but we've stuck it out, and now nine months later, I get it. You know, It wasn't right, but I get it, and I forgive you that's essential to share if it's somebody you don't have an important relationship with then it's kind of up to you if it's somebody you're in a actual feud with it's probably best to keep it to yourself because they might take it what are you forgiving me for I have about 12,000 things to forgive you for you have to be both strategic and intelligent, what you do with your both forgiveness and unforgiveness. The one thing I will say, though, is um, it's very important to recognize when you're holding too much negativity towards yourself, Mm -hmm. and that you want to make careful, deliberate steps to release.
0: And talk, talk to me about how you do that.
1: Well, first, you have to admit that you did wrong, which is what keeps a lot of people from doing it. Mm. You got to say, my bad, and, and really mean that. Like, not my bad, this big, my bad. Second, that bad impacted you for the worse. So, my bad, your wound, my responsibility, okay? I'm sorry. For, part of it is saying a sincere apology. I'm sorry. Anything I can do to make it right, okay? So that's, that's like thing. Then you have undergone the inner process of my bad, hurt somebody else. I make that connection either inside of me or to them. I see if there's anything I can do about it. Then I ask myself, what can I do so this has a less likelihood of happening again? If I follow those steps, like actually do the work, this is a little sideways of 12-step programs, but it's not that far sideways. You have to do something. If you do that, then within a period of time, you can let yourself off the hook even if they didn't. When you've harmed yourself as opposed to harming the world, the two necessary things are articulate the wrong and your suffering and change if you need to so if you're an alcoholic stop being an alcoholic i don't mean to sound so trivial but it is if you're a liar stop lying the forgiveness piece is not as important as the change in behavior
0: because that shows yeah yeah so you've worked with people all over the world you were talking about that before are there stories that have struck you or stuck with you about forgiveness things that i guess maybe you you know didn't think people could overcome or i i forgave my (laughs) mother-in-law okay
1: (laughs) (laughs) that should be on the new york times
0: But just real atrocities. I mean, no,
1: I mean, okay. I'm <laughs> partly kidding. <laughs> um, many. One, I, I'll tell you two, one from real tragedy and one from just human decency. Um, one of the groups that we brought from Northern Ireland, um, first group was mothers who had their children murdered on both sides of the conflict the second group was a wider range of family members who had had people killed and the violence so brothers sisters grandmas you know that kind of stuff and the first session we sent sent these people back to northern ireland a couple of them came back and one of the women, who was probably close to 60 at the time, her daughter came up to myself and my partner who were doing this and gave us a hug and said thanks for giving us our mother back. Mm. That even though the kid, her son, had been killed almost 20 years earlier, she was, she was dead to the present. And we did everything we could to bring her from 20 years into now. And basically, we gave her the instruction along the line that was, you'll, you'll never get your kid back, but love the kids who still live. Like, just don't take it a second more away from them. Please love them with everything you got, because that's all you can do. And she did mm-hmm. what well, she did to the best she could. So her daughter came and thanked us. That was about as touching as I've had. Another one was completely unexpected in one of my first forgiveness classes, there was a woman there who was in chronic pain. And um, I mean, some kind of back um, thing. And I got to know her a little bit after the sessions ended. Like, you know, it was done in group work. I got to know her after the sessions ended. And she talked to me, and she told me, you know, Fred, I don't know you from a hole in the wall, but I took what your forgiveness stuff was. I thought about it. Um, I recognized that the reason I came to the class was I I was so furious because my husband and I had been in a motorcycle wreck. Mm -hmm. And it was... um, Threw me off the motorcycle, and I hurt my back, and I couldn't forgive him. We were doing badly, and she said, well... And then she explained a little more that we were in a very bad space in our marriage, and we were fighting, and because we were fighting, he didn't pay attention to the road, so his motorcycle slipped away, slammed into a tree. He had brain damage, and I hurt my back. She said, though, but after the class and and reflecting on it for a few months, I realized it wasn't just his fault. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to be screaming at him and his motorcycle either. So we got divorced, but I made the decision that I was going to help take care of him because he hadn't fully recovered from a brain injury, and it wouldn't have happened without forgiveness. Hmm. So that's, I mean, I've heard enough of those. I don't take credit for it, it's forgiveness. We were created with the capacity to forgive, but it's a very necessary capacity for all of us.
0: And what about... Our children. I mean, I can speak for myself. I, I don't know that I was, I mean, I, I was told to say I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> but Especially if, if you did wrong. Especially if you did wrong. Um, but as, as children, I, I mean, I don't remember being taught about forgiveness.
1: The most important demonstrator of forgiveness for your family is do you do it, not what you talk about. Mm. If you have a partner and you show your children that you forgive that partner, they will learn forgiveness. If you show your children that you battle your partner and that you bring up the past, that's what they'll learn. So if they watch mom and dad arguing about what happened nine years ago, they learn to do that. If they watch mom and dad Um, resolving grievances and treating each other as flawed people that's what they'll learn the other demonstration that you will do for them is how do you treat their mistakes so if kid doesn't clean up his room for two months like how you know how do you handle that do you have any understanding do you relate to the kids vulnerabilities and weaknesses those are again your demonstrations of whether you forgive it doesn't matter what you say at some level hmm. and that's the unfortunate part
0: yeah So is the fact that we were told to say i'm sorry <laughs>
1: sorry stood yeah. yeah yeah it's important to model it
0: it is but do you think we potentially overuse the word i'm sorry because we don't back it up with
1: and i'm sorry is essential and i'm sorry plus caretaking is when it becomes really powerful Mm. so if i do wrong with my girlfriend and i say i'm sorry that's great but if i go i'm sorry um do you need to talk i'm sorry let's just sit for a minute I'm sorry um, is there anything I can do to make it right that's where the power is not just the words I'm sorry because that sincere desire to make nice after you made not so nice that's where the power is
0: so tell me about (laughs) the Stanford forgiveness project
1: I mean, it started with my doctoral dissertation. We got a grant to replicate that and expand it. We then did a whole series of research projects, um, and then I did enough research to satisfy myself. Even though I do a little bit now, and now it's it, I, I, and now it's simply it, it's not that active. I go, I do some peacekeeping work. Like recently, I made a couple of trips to Colombia. To help them set up some forgiveness things. Um, there's there's been situations like that, and I'm training other people to teach forgiveness. And we got a grant from the state of Hawaii to come in and train people in forgiveness. I don't do it so much anymore. I'm I'm a little m- more interested in all these years in like for this a little bit broader definition of happiness mm-hmm. and. I've also started to do more teaching at Stanford for the Graduate School of Business because, I mean, after all these years, I I, I like teaching happier, healthier people, Mm -hmm. like not just people whose kids were killed. So when the executive ed programs come in and I get to talk about this stuff, but not in such gritty terms, and it's just a component of how do you live an emotionally competent life, that's more where I'm focused now.
0: Got it, so how does forgiveness show up in the workplace since you are teaching graduate business students? I mean, obviously the same way it shows up in the rest of our yeah, lives, but um, as leaders, I guess, you know, how do we bring that to, the workplace certainly forgiveness is not something that is regularly talked about in the workplace <laughs> no. and in some in some ways you know i think some of the cultures of competitiveness that we've created no
1: question yeah. um you know we did one research project where we ran in for a couple of years and um taught people a forgiveness based emotional competence mm. like we taught Financial advisors in groups of like twenty. Forgiveness is a centerpiece, but you got to be emotionally competent. We track them for six months or a year, and and we we're able to show that that training led to decreases in anger and stress and increases in like positivity, but it increased sales. Hmm. And we focused on the capacity to forgive yourself when your sales went south or when somebody else, and to really limit the amount of discord that you have at work. So to actively go into your workplace, accept that people will be difficult. And because you want to have a little more happiness, recognize that you need to forgive them, like almost a priori, to be at your peak efficiency. And, and we found in that project that their sales, I don't know, went up, it was a good market for everybody, their sales went up about 25% during the year, I'm gonna say, and the, the corresponding comparison sample went up about 10%. Mm. So there's something about when you don't come into situations with contempt towards yourself or mistrust towards others, you're more productive. That would be my, my short answer for that.
0: That, that. that That's really powerful. I mean, I think that would get any business leader's attention for oh, sure.
1: No <laughs> question, because we waste so much time on interpersonal conflict. And, and we waste so much energy that could be spent more productively. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's to me.
0: No, I completely agree with you. Well, Fred, thank you so much for this conversation. I was so excited to have you on this podcast to talk about this topic so that we can bring it to the business world um, because I think it's needed. So, thank you.
1: Hey, thank you very much.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so grateful Fred could be with us today to talk about forgiveness. Thank you to our producers, Rivet360, and our listeners. You can find the WorkWell podcast series on Deloitte.com or you can visit various podcatchers using the keyword work well, all one word, to hear more. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe so you get all of our future episodes. If you have a topic you'd like to hear on the WorkWell podcast series or maybe a story you would like to share, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. My profile is under the name Jen Fisher or on Twitter at JenFish23. We're always open to your recommendations and feedback. And of course, if you like what you hear, please share, post, and like this podcast. Thank you and be well.